Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. For more information, visit us on our website, www.dbsalliance.org. We've been there. We can help. Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. We have with us today author of the book, The Opposite of Music. Here with us is Janet Ruth Young. Welcome, Janet. Thanks very much, Maria. How are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Good. So this is a great book, and it's unlike anything that I've ever read before, having to deal with mental illness. And and what was unique about it for me was that it was written from a child's aspect. And the the main character, I guess, just to give some background, is a, a boy named Billy, or I guess a teen named Billy. And his father has depression and is diagnosed and then treated through the course of the book. So it really is more of his experience being a family member than um, you know the person who is diagnosed writing about what it's like. So um, you know what sort of what background do you have with mental illness that made you want to tackle this topic? I come from a family with a history of depression. A number of people have been have been treated for it, and uh, it's something you know that has colored my life in many ways. I don't tend to be depressed myself. I think I may have had an undiagnosed depression when I was in college, which was a long time ago because I'm 49 now. But as I look back, I see that maybe there was a period of time that I was depressed and I had an eating disorder and my self-esteem really plummeted for a year or so. And I kind of crawled back out of that on my own without, without any help. But then in general, maybe because there's been depression in my family, I've always been interested in mental health and in psychology. And I if I hadn't become a writer, I probably would have liked to be in the mental health field, perhaps to be a therapist. Okay. Is this your first book that deals with depression? Yes, it is. It's my first published book. Okay. So how does that, how does that feel to, what has the response it's, been like? It's, it's very exciting. I feel like I'm really bursting out of the gate, uh, getting, getting a lot of attention. So far, I, I, I won an award from, from Penn New England for Children's Book Discovery Award. I've gotten very favorable reviews, maybe uh, four or five of the major six review periodicals, and both uh, the American Bookselling Association, which is the independent bookstores, and Borders, the large chain, have selected me as kind of a special pick for the, for the spring. So I think it's been wonderful for me to have such a riveting topic and a really riveting treatment of it as my first book. I, I actually had a previous, an unpublished manuscript, which was more I, on the Mean Girls theme, it was about a girl who wanted to be popular, and I didn't get anywhere with that, and now I can kind of see why, because that's been done so many times. But the, the subject of depression, being treated this way, with, with the emphasis on the family, rather than, as you said, the, um, the depressed person, has, has garnered a lot of attention. Okay, that's great, and I guess to fill everybody in, because the book just came out, so I, I don't think many people will have read it, but what, can you just give your little background of the story and how it yes. flows? The, uh, the Billy's father, Bill Sr., becomes depressed, and the family has no knowledge or experience of depression, and they, they, they really rush to, to get the, the information that they need, and they begin by putting him in conventional medical treatment, which includes medication and talk therapy. And also he goes through, he, he gets a physical uh, evaluation, a routine physical, just to make sure that there is no physical cause for the ailment. And that's something that everyone 
who was depressed should do. Since, um, for instance, in the elderly, elderly people, a depression could be caused by something as simple as a urinary tract infection. So that's an important step to take. But because the father has a bad reaction to the medication and because the mother of the family distrusts doctors in general, they decide to pull, him, pull the father from treatment and treat him entirely at home using uh, unconventional or alternative or as they're also sometimes called complementary treatments such as light therapy, nutritional therapy, aromatherapy, and, and other things. And so the family decides to do it all on their own and uh, that, that's not a, a good decision in this case. And so that's when the story actually becomes more gripping. And I won't tell people how it ends. There's still a long journey ahead of them. But because the family grows increasingly desperate, it worked well for me as a writer to keep the focus on the family and their emotional reactions to the father's illness and how it changes their relationships to one another and their relationships to other people in the world. And that was what, and it really was, you know, it's a trite expression, I guess, but a page turner. It's one of those books that you really just, it was it was easy to read and it was... Um, enjoyable in in a weird sense. I mean, it's not, I guess, really enjoyable. No, but I understand what you mean. You, you wanted to find out about it, and it was when you talked about the mother and how she dealt with it and what, um, you know, the children were especially, it was very sad to see how they react. I mean, not sad, it was beautiful that they took this time and and Billy came home every day after school so he could sit with his father and wasn't seeing his uh -huh. friends anymore and, and just really made this a point to get his father better. Right. And one of my... most important thing in his life. Right. It was, and it really was wonderful how they all came together. You know, it wasn't a... They dealt with it together. They talked about it. And to me, it's a modern book in that sense that, you know, not that... The family was pretty remarkable when we talked to, you know, as DBSA when people come to us and we say, here's what you should do. If you think your friend or family member has depression, this is what you should do. I don't know how many people actually do it. You know, it's yeah. one of those hard things. And the family in this book, they did. Like you said, the first thing they did is that they went to a doctor mm -hmm. to get a diagnosis. And that's really what people should do. And, right. you know, he went on a medication, which, you know, for some people that's the answer. And, and that medication didn't work for him. So mm -hmm. they went off it. And that's, like you said, that's when they started all of the, the different, I guess, alternative treatments. And yeah. And really just did a lot of research and a lot of mm -hmm. self-empowerment to try to, you know, find out what would work for him. Okay. So was that something that you purposely showed is, is their track through medicine and, and their look for their search, I guess, for a cure? Mm -hmm. A big part of the book for me is the sort of critical thinking aspect. The book is intended... Uh, as a young adult novel, switch for ages 12 and up. Anyone under 12, I think it might be a little scary, and also maybe they wouldn't get the humor and some of the subtleties. But the book, I think, works for ages 12 to adult. And I wanted to have the reader experience it. I think if it was a page-turner for you, it's because perhaps, as other people have felt, you felt like you were looking over the shoulder of the family as they were making their decisions. So I show the documents that they look at. I show the books they read. I show the websites they look at and the reader should feel very involved with that and say and say be saying either oh yes that's the way to go or oh no please don't go there and I think that's what makes it riveting and I would hope that even though the bad decisions that the family makes that's what turns the book into a, a page turner 
I would hope that once the reader has this experience, the reader has in some way become a better medical consumer because there are, there are good therapists and, and, and doctors in that book and there are people who are not as reliable. There are very worthwhile reading materials and guides and books, even among the alternative and complementary therapies, and there are other things that are not, not as valuable. And I, I would hope that once the reader finishes reading that book, my book, not only have they had a very worthwhile emotional and aesthetic experience, but they at least know that when there's a medical problem in their family, even if the reader is a young person, that there are going to be decisions to make, and a lot of it is very evaluative. Right, and, and I definitely saw that, and, and you're right that you feel like you're in the family, and mm-hmm. you, you're saying to yourself, oh, you know, that's probably not a good idea, or don't try that, or as an author of, it's a fictional book, do you right. have to weigh that and say, you know, do I have a moral obligation to say this and to show the bad parts that really could be bad, or, or how do you, do you have to reconcile that, I guess, with yourself and, and knowing that this is going out to an audience who may may use this to help guide them through their dealings with depression. Well, that uh, could be a problem. I, I'm going to be doing a lot more talk, uh, more speaking and book signings and tours. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I should probably wear a big sign that says I am not a doctor. But um, my, I think my major obligation is to be, to be a fiction writer is to always in my work give the reader the space to make his or her own judgments because if I'm pointing out what's right or what's wrong, a lot of the um, the critical value goes out of the book, and also it just wouldn't be as enjoyable for me. Uh, as you said, you enjoyed the book in a weird way because it was very gripping, and to me the joy of it is to lay out materials and have those materials be somewhat ambiguous, and that is what's going to engage the reader. If I, if I just said, this works, this doesn't, the reader I don't think would stay with the story as long. It would just become another reference book. And that's true, and I know that just with my experience and the people that I know who would enjoy this book, it's you can, you sort of feel like you've lived it yourself. Whether you have tried any of the alternative treatments or whether you have, you know, everybody's had, like you said, good doctors and bad doctors. Right. So that's the neat part is you can definitely relate to it and say, I know, you know, whether you're a family member or whether you yourself have depression, it, it's something that you can totally see and the unique part or what I loved the most about the book was the supportiveness of everyone I guess Bill senior was the father who had depression and you saw he had two children not only the narrator's son but also a younger daughter and the mother and his um, brother was in the picture a lot and the neat part to me was the children's friends they were around and they were trying to help and they were asking the kids, you know, can I help or what can I do? And yeah, and that was really wonderful. And I hope that that's reality, I guess, for a lot of people that, that this is, it goes a long way towards dispelling stigma. Mm-hmm. I did, however, show that um, I wanted to, to show that the reactions to, of the family members are quite different. Billy, maybe because he's a little older, maybe because he's male, he, he retreats a little bit from his normal groups, group of friends and he finds one person who he thinks is safe to confide in. Uh, Linda, the sister, on the other hand, finds that she wants to pull her best friend in closer, and that's what com- the presence of her friend is comforting to her. That's her way of taking care of herself while taking care of her father. And I think it's very important for people going through any crisis like this 
it, it also applies to to physical illnesses such as a cancer in the family or something like that. It becomes a real test of the people around you to, to find out who is reliable and who is willing to bear with uncomfortable situations with you. And, and there are often surprises. Certain people emerge as being stronger than you thought and others emerge as being a little more skittish than you ever would have thought. That's, yeah, that's definitely true. And hearing you say that, you know, we always, as an organization, say, you know, depression's no different than cancer or than diabetes, you know, as far as how it's a medical illness and it mm-hmm. affects your body and mm-hmm. that's that. There aren't any causes. And hearing you say that, that's truly what comes out of this book, is that you could substitute any any other illness for Bill Sr., and mm-hmm. I feel like the response would be the same. You know, it was as if yeah. when his coworker kept coming over and to see how he was doing and bringing food over, you know, that was, it was as if he did have cancer. And mm-hmm. that was great, and it showed that, you know, the response, some people I know are afraid of talking about it, and, and that's definitely a personal preference and something that they have to go through. But, you know, you definitely showed through the book that, like you said, people people may surprise you and how they can deal with it and how they can help you through. Right. Another thing for, for people who are perhaps not in the immediate family but who are friends or in the community and the extended family, it's important to know without, with any kind of physical or mental illness that it's not about just showing support at the beginning. It's not just, okay, get well card. I brought over one casserole, now I'm done. It's being in for the long haul, and I, I tried to show with the father's co-worker who, who showed up repeatedly that um, any ill person and their family, that, that it, it, could be, it could be six months, it could be years, it, it's important to just stay in and, and really keep the faith with, with the people who are having that difficulty. And that was interesting because at some point the mother was a little bit um, frustrated, I think, yeah. that the co-worker kept coming uh-huh. over, but she seemed to not even hear it you know she just kept coming over and, and seeing how he was and that I think that's important to his recovery as well as the families to know that right. you know not everything's changed and he when mm-hmm. he comes through this he can have the life that he had before right um, just right I guess a writing question is was it difficult for you or why did you choose to use the male voice as a narrator I thought first of all that I really wanted them to be named Bill and Billy because me that drove home the point that Billy would at some point be concerned about inheriting depression. I wanted that to make them both male, have them be genetically similar. I talk about the fact that they both have red hair and blue eyes and they're both tall. Um, I knew at a certain point in the book there was going to be a low moment for Billy and that was the only thing he'd be able to think about. Also, I'm finding it very important as I go through life to to not adhere to um, gender stereotypes, and I wanted to show a boy being a caregiver. In um, letting people know about this book, you know, I've reached out to DBSA and other mental health organizations, and one group that I was in contact with was the American Association of Caregiver Youth, and that group is all about kids who have a lot of responsibility in the family with taking care of a parent, a grandparent, or another family member. And there are about a million kids who are, who are the primary caregiver of, of an ill person in the family. And half of those are boys. 
So I think it's important for the world to know that boys and the men they grow up to be can be nurturers and caregivers. That sounds like a wonderful point, and I think just when you talk about gender stereotypes, that would be an easy... It just, and I, I guess I'm guilty of it too, the, the fact that I was surprised that it was from a, a young teenager, male teenager's perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seemed that it would be more natural if it were a girl, but you're right, just as many boys have to do with it, deal with it as, as girls do. Mm-hmm. One of the treatments in the book that the family goes through and considers and, and weighs heavily is ECT, and that was something that you know, sort of was, like you said, you make people, or you let people make up their own decisions. And was that, why did you choose to put such a radical treatment um, into the book? Um, As I said, my family has a history of depression, and some of the people in my family who've been depressed have found ECT to be very helpful. And because of uh, movies and popular representations, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and so on, ECT is considered some people in the public think of it as being kind of a torture and very scary. I mean, the idea of electricity running through your body. And also, there are a lot of people who are completely unaware. One response that I've gotten through the book is, I, I, when I submitted it to one publisher, the editor wrote back to me and said, is this treatment really still being used? Um, and wow. not only is it being used, but it's been refined. It's available at many local hospitals. It's often administered under the care of a psychiatrist and a medical team. And it obviously has to be done very carefully. But if someone is depressed and becoming more and more depressed and the medication isn't kicking in or there isn't time for the medication to kick in, as you know, antidepressants can take from two to six weeks to begin working. ECT can be a lifesaver, a life-saving intervention. And then medication can follow, you know, as a long-range treatment. But I, I found it very important to mention and... Um, I live in Massachusetts, and our, one of our former governors, Michael Dukakis, who also ran for president, his wife Kitty Dukakis, had a, a quite a serious history of depression. And she came out very publicly and said that she has ECT on a maintenance program and that it's really been wonderful for her. So I would, I would like to remove the stigma from that treatment. It's a lifesaver. And I think that that's something that, you know, at DBSA we definitely promote lots of different treatments for lots of different people. You know, what works for one person doesn't work for the other person necessarily, but it's important that as patients or as people who are dealing with this, you know that there are options out there and you can take these to your doctor and say, what do you think of this for me? Or do you think that this would work well? And it goes a long way towards education and and like you said, reducing the stigma too. was it hard for you to, to find a publisher for this book when you, you know, as an author, as you kind of shop around and, and look for somebody? Were you ever worried about the topic that it would, you know, maybe scare some, some publishers away? No, um, people embraced the topic. It was actually quite easy to find a publisher. I received this award, the Penn New England Children's Book Discovery Award, just on the strength of having written 10 pages. People were already getting interested before I had written the entire book. And then it took a year and a half to find a publisher, but that was partly because one pub- the one editor at one publishing house liked it so much that she just held on to it. She kept fighting for it and fighting for it, even though the, the higher decision makers uh, had some doubts. 
And in fact, she didn't even want to tell me when the book was rejected. So that slowed down the whole process. But it, there was a lot of enthusiasm right away. That no, no one, I would say no one was scared about this subject matter. And uh, the teen market has gotten more and more sophisticated and is dealing with more and more difficult subjects. Uh, this, there are many books out for young adults on depression, but although usually the, um, the teen in the story is the depressed person. And that's ex- uh, I, was, I was very pleased at, at, at the, the level of enthusiasm for this book. Right, and that's exciting to hear you say that and to hear that the response was good. It's that people are willing to hear about it and know that there's a need for a book like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I... It's funny because we get books here a lot. Quite often authors will send us books and ask us to review it or, or to make it available to our to our constituency. And, and I love the cover of your book. It's one of those things, you know, don't judge a book by the cover. But I, it was one of those things that came and it's so neat. It has a, such a pretty blue cover and there's, you know, lemon halves on it. And yeah. it looks so great. And it didn't, I hadn't, I had read it probably halfway through and then, um, there was a little card in it that fell out and it said that it was a book uh, for young readers. Mm-hmm. And it surprised me, honestly, because right. as an adult, I didn't feel like I was reading a children's book. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for people to know that, that although it is a, a child is or a teenager is the narrator and, it, and teenagers definitely can read it, it can benefit everybody because there are definitely, there's some characters in there that or there's a character in there that some you will be able to relate to. Right, yeah, the adults could re- re- respond more to the adult characters. And I'm glad you mentioned the cover. That's been a big hit. And the cover makes the book something that any adult would feel comfortable carrying around, re- reading on the subway. It looks like it could be an adult novel. And um, I heard an interesting story from my publisher about the cover. Normally, uh, a designer at the publisher works on, works on a cover and then it goes through, it, it makes the rounds for approval to a lot of different desks and, and people ma- modify it and so on. But um, w- once this cover was designed, the editor-in-chief of my division uh, emailed it around to everyone else in her area and she said, she said, my father was depressed and this is exactly how it was. And she said the fact that the music is shown um, sort of crunched up, that the fact that the, the person's creativity has been just squashed was, was so important to her. She felt that it, that it captured the whole experience. And I hope you'll be able to show the, uh, the cover on the website. That would be great so people can, can uh, look at it while, while they're listening to the interview. Sure, and it's, it's definitely a memorable a cover. You know, it's, it's one that you see and, and you'll be able to remember. So I'm glad that, yeah, we did get to talk about it because that's interesting to hear that that was so well-received along with, you know, what goes inside of it. Yeah, well, this, it's, it's, been, it's great for an author, you know, I'm just working by myself all the time, but to have the input of a team of very creative people and to see what they come up with in representing the book, that was very gratifying. And it just, as, as a writer, you just get that feeling, oh, somebody gets me, and that's, that's what you always want. They get me. Yeah, that's just great, and and Janet, thank you so much for joining us today. And this was, it was really a, a pleasure to read. And again, the book is called The Opposite of Music, and it's by Janet Ruth Young. And I know that it's available on Amazon. I was checking that out before I came, and I'm sure it's available at all of the bookstores. So. Yes, it is. It'll be widely available. Well, thank you very much, Maria, for having me, and I wish all the best to your listeners. Thank you. 
been a production of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. For more information, go to www.dbsalliance.org or call 1-800-826-3632. We've been there. We can help. Thank you.